Thank you so much. Thank you for those warm words. So welcome. We truly enjoyed your worship and we are so delighted to be here. Well, uh, we were here a few years back when your church was hosting the D6 conference. Um, my wife and me, we were here and we were leading a track on missional family, which I heard that this church took it up, especially I think the older folks have taken it up and studied our video over weeks and then had a whole year, year focusing on how every home can fulfill God's purpose and be missional. And so I want to thank uh, the pastor and the team and the elders and uh, everyone who has been so kind to us, especially to welcome us here. And uh, I want to especially uh, mention uh, Esther and uh, Annabelle for taking care of us yesterday. You know, you've been so good, so kind. Uh, and we are so delighted by your hospitality. Well, uh, we recently got married just 28 years ago, uh, and we went for our honeymoon in Lankawi, and we are returning back. That's how we are here. Do we look recently married? Okay. Yeah, so our uh, home is basically a boys' hostel um, with one queen. Um, we have three boys, so let me just show their picture. Um, our eldest son, who is here on the right, is Arpit. Arpit in the Indian language means offered one. And uh, the one on the extreme left, uh, he is Ankit. Ankit means chosen one. And the one who's in the center, he's the youngest. And he is Abhishek. And his name means um, um, anointed one. So we have the offered, the chosen, and the anointed as our children. And uh, they released us, uh, you know, to have an enjoyable time at uh, uh, Lankawi and uh, so they're taking care of themselves for the last uh, one week and we are excited to go back home this evening. Uh, so thank you once again for this uh, lovely time of worship that we could be part of uh, this uh, time of worship with your church. Well, I also want to bring warm greetings from Urban India Ministries, an organization that God enabled us to start uh, in the year 1998 with few friends of ours. Uh, God enabled us to obey him to something that we were not, you know, exposed to. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what this whole call was. But he wanted us to focus on families while we were actually working as youth workers. So we pioneered two youth centers in uh, India and then we were working with college students that's when the Lord gave this burden to work with families and that's what moved us in 2002 to take it up full-time 98 we started with our friends but 2002 we obeyed the Lord in fully you know taking up this ministry in strengthening families and uh, today it has grown to be one of the largest family ministry in South Asia. And we want to praise God for the way that God has enabled us to grow in the last uh, uh, almost 25 years. We're going to celebrate our 25th year next year. So we want to praise God for the way he has guided us and led us. And so what do we do? We prepare, you know, young people towards marriage. Uh, by the way, if any of you are afraid of marriage or you're saying, hey, marriage is not for me, that's fine. But if God is leading you into something that is so beautiful, which is, to, which is bringing you as a couple together, uh, this is one of the best things that can happen to you. So don't say no to what God has planned. I would say pursue it, but pursue it in His purpose and move in the direction that God has. So we prepare young people. Uh, we also work with married couples. We work with elderly folks. And we do it, you know, even in schools with teenagers and their parents. 
we work with uh, the slum families uh, families who are impoverished who are living in the slums we go there and uh, do tuitions for children and through that we reach their families and also we uh, work with families who are uh, in the corporate sector uh, who are uh, struggling in their marriage you know we have a counseling center we have a um, center where we uh, do these seminars and conferences. So that's um, briefly about our ministry. Uh, if you want to know more about our ministry, I would want you to uh, log on to urbanindia.org, urbanindia.org, and you will know more about uh, our organization. Well, as I was uh, thinking of what to share today with you, you know, one of the thoughts that, uh, you know, uh, that uh, pastor was sharing with me is talk about home discipleship. Because as a church, when they went about doing missional family, how can young people be part of uh, discipleship, not only in the church, but also at home? So that was what was told to me. But as I was praying and I was seeking the Lord, the Lord led me to this young man, Josiah. And whose life was so challenging even as I was reading and going through it. And the Lord wanted me to talk about what are some of the principles of being a disciple. Okay, so I want to take a closer look at the, uh, the King Josiah in, in the Old Testament in Second Kings chapter 22. But before I do that, let me ask you a question. Uh, how many of you call yourself Christians? Can I see your hands please? Okay, that's nice. Put your hands down. Now, can I ask you another question? How many of you would call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ? Can I see your hands, please? I see some hands now not very confident. The first one was easy. The second one is a little difficult. You're wondering what's the trick in this. Well, you know, the Bible tells me that the disciples were called Christians. So there is no option for a Christian not to be a disciple. You know, you have to be a disciple. It is a nickname given to the disciples as Christians. So Christians was not a great name that was given. It was actually a nickname that was given. And so Christ, the disciples were called as Christians. But throughout the New Testament... One of the most commonly used word is not the word Christian, but the word disciple. So if you and me are followers of Jesus Christ, we are disciples of the Lord. And so what I want to focus on today is how can we be a disciple of the Lord the way the Lord wants us to, what wants us to be. So when we look at the life of Josiah, I want to kind of give some background so that you will understand this person. Now, he was born in a home where his father and his grandfather ruled Judah for more than 50 years. And they were not, you know, biblically speaking, they were not great kings. They were wicked kings. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's what the Bible records. You know, if you turn to 2 Kings chapter 21 and 22, you will read about these two kings where Manasseh and Ammon, both of them are very, very bad, wicked kings. So they don't have any great heritage to look back. You know, they were not great kings. They had all kind of idolatry brought into Judah during their time. They sacrificed children. They did all kind of wild things that God hated and detested. And so here is a man, a, a boy, born in a family which doesn't have great spiritual inheritance. Okay? But the Bible says that he was brought up by his mother, Jedida. Now, we do not know about her background much, but looks like she was a spiritual influence because there doesn't seem to be anything that is of great spiritual influence except 
probably for his mom. You know, she probably moved him to seek the God of his forefather, not his father, not his grandfather, but his forefather. And the Bible says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, here is a man who did not just follow his immediate father or his grandfather, but here was a man who followed his great-great-great-grandfather. And the Bible records that he followed his father, David, not turning to the right or to the left. Now, yesterday when um, uh, Esther and Alex came to pick us up from the airport, now, the, um, you know, they had put the GPS on and they were bringing us and Alexis' car, we kept hearing this word, lane departure, lane departure. Have you heard that? Yeah? Whenever you cut the lane, there is this lane departure, lane departure. If you go to the left or to the right, you know, away from the lane, you keep hearing this lane departure, lane departure. Now, here was a man, the Bible says, he did not turn to the left or to the right, who kept to the lane, who kept to the lane of being a child of God. And my dear friends, this morning we are going to look at how do we keep to that lane that God wants us to keep moving. How we, you know, can keep us from being, you know, uh, going away from that lane that God has destined for us so we can avoid the lane departure. How can we keep to that lane? And how can we run this race as a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ, not only on Sunday in the church, but also in your home, also in your workplace, also in the place where God has planted you? How can you be a disciple? That's what I want to focus on by looking at the life of Josiah. Okay, so five principles very quickly. The first principle that I see here is the fact that he aligned himself to godly influences. He aligned himself to godly influences. Realign yourself to godly influence. He had nothing to boast about. He had nothing to say about his father's spiritual you know, inheritance. You know, I come from a church in India which believes that uh, we became... Christians before Jesus Christ. You know what that means? You know, we almost believe that, I mean, we believe that we came from St. Thomas. When he came to India, he converted few people. And so we are people who came from that church. Okay. So some of us actually feel that we became Christians even before Jesus Christ. Okay. But here is it. Now we are so proud of our tradition. We are so proud of the way, you know, we have kept this godly thing going for the last 2,000 years in India. But here was a man who had nothing to really boast about. When he looked at his father, you know, the Bible records he's one of the worst kings. Never repented. You know, brought in all kind of evil practices into Israel. And his grandfather, worse a very bad spiritual inheritance. And, you know, probably a godly mother, as I said. But when you read chapter 22 of Second Kings, you read that he was looking after, he was going after godly priests and prophets. That he he seeks after prophets. You know, he and the Bible very clearly says that he sought after his father David. Now, the question that I want to ask you is this. Who are your influences? If you want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to first align your influence to godly influences. Maybe you will 
come from a home where your parents are not, you know, people who've been trying to lead you in the path of Christ. But you cannot blame your circumstances. Here was Josiah, by all means, he could have blamed the circumstances and said, I can't help it. My father has been like this. My grandfather has been like this. So I will be like this. Now, I do not know if there's anybody here who are saying that. Well, I don't have any of those great stuff that pastor always talks about in the church. Or... I don't have great inheritance from my home. I come from a home that is broken. I come from a home where things are not going too well between my parents and the siblings. I do not know your background, my dear friend. But if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, let me encourage you, don't blame your circumstances. Don't blame your circumstances. Look for those godly influences God has placed around you. Maybe in your church. Maybe a far relative of yours. Maybe somebody who's been continuously talking to you. Maybe your mom who's been telling, hey, pray, read your Bible, do that, do this. But you've been ignoring her and going after those ungodly influences. If it is you, my dear friend, this morning, the Lord is speaking to you and is reminding you that you cannot pursue ungodly influences and try to be godly on a Sunday morning. Somebody said, Sunday, we are sacred Christians. Monday to Saturday, secret Christians. I do not know if that is true of you. Monday to Saturday, how are you, you know, allowing the influences of this world to influence you? Or are you aligning yourself to godly influences, godly friends? And, you know, very clearly when we read from Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34 where this story is again mentioned in verse 3, it says, while he was still young... He sought after the God of his father David while he was still young. And this is what I want to ask you. While you are still young, the Bible says, remember your creator while you are young. Not when you're old, not when you're retired. Don't keep all these good Christian stuff to be, you know, to be there after your retirement. No, allow godly influences to come over your life and realign yourself to those godly influences so that your life can be a blessing to you and to many around you. When I look back, I'm grateful to God for godly influences from my mom, from my grandfather, Maybe some of you don't have things to boast about. But whatever it is, I would want you to, you know, ask yourself, what is the closest spiritual influences that the Lord has placed for you to turn to Him? Whatever that may be, whoever that person may be. Maybe this is your church. That's your spiritual influence. Draw from your church and live out a disciple of Jesus Christ. Seek for those people who will help you to grow in him and not those who would, you know, systematically destroy you. The second principle that I see here is reestablish the centrality of God's word. Reestablish the centrality of God's word. Now, the Bible very clearly says when Josiah was repairing the temple. He had ordered to repair the temple. I will talk about it, you know, as the next point. But when he ordered to repair the temple, they found the book of the law. Now, it's very interesting. The book of the law is in the temple, but it was lost. And they suddenly found it while they were repairing the temple. So they were having the temple worship going on, but not, you know, Going by the word of God. The word of God was lost. And I find this very interesting. 
that they had to find the word of God. The book of the law was found out while they were repairing the temple. Now friends, I just believe if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to bring back the centrality of God's word. God's word is a lamp and a light unto your path. If you have lost out on God's word, you have lost out on direction for your life. If you have lost out on God's word, you will not know which direction to take very soon. And the Bible very clearly says, you know, it is this word that is a lamp and a light unto your feet. He will show you every path, every step of the way, the step of the righteous is ordained by the Lord and the Lord will show you every way to take. I do not know if any of you are in the crossroad of your life not knowing what is next for your career. What is next for your, your, your job or your studies. Have you taken the word of God lightly or have you been seeking God through his word? You know, Josiah, we see that he not only, you know, once he got the word of God, he made somebody read it for him. And after people started reading and he was so convicted, the Bible says he tore his robe. He tore his robe and he was repenting before God. Many times we are not able to discern what is right from wrong. We are going off the lane because we don't have the, the, the manual to direct us in the right path. How many of you have been straying away from the principles of God's word? God wants you to return back if you are a disciple of the, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you raised your hand and said you are a Christian... Christian is identified by living according to God's word, not by the standards of this world. So, my dear friends, how often have you, you know, taken God's, or how much have you taken God's word seriously? You know, we have three boys. And uh, bringing up three boys... Especially in an age and time where they are seeking what next, what next. You know, when everybody was at the crossroads of their life, we've been guiding them to look at God's word and ask for God to reveal. Now, it was easy for my first and the second sons to understand what next and then they chose their career. The older one chose uh, to be an architect. The second one, you know, chose to be an auditor. So both of them, you know, kind of knew what they want to do. But the third one, you know, he was quite confused. And the more we said, going to God's word, you know, one day as we were discussing and we were saying, hey, look at God's word, ask the Lord to reveal. He's so, you know, he's, he's, he's so happy to reveal his will to you. Please look into God's word. He got frustrated one day. He said, I've been doing that. God is not speaking to me. Now we could just hear his frustration as he was talking. You know, and um, we just kept quiet. Uh, we know God speaks through his word to give us direction because God wants all of us to be directed by his word. The righteous is directed by his word. And so we know God would do that. But we just kept quiet looking at his frustration. And that evening when we came back to, um, you know, for our family prayer. That is reading in daily bread that we read every day, you know, the devotional book. Was about how God will instruct us and teach us in the way you should go. And he was looking at us. Almost as if we kind of orchestrated this portion for him to read. <laughs> and he was just looking at us and we looked at him. And we said, well, we told you that God will lead you. 
but now God is telling you, I will direct you, I will teach you, I will show you the way to go. Now, my dear friends, we just prayed with him. We said, Lord, reveal your plan because your word is a lamp. Your word is a light. Reveal your plan. And that was our prayer for him. Within two weeks, he came back. By the way, he was only doing his, he was going into his 11th grade. Within two weeks, he came back and he said, God spoke to me. I said, what? <laughs> yeah, God spoke to me. I know what I'm going to do. I said, uh, what do you think you're going to do? He said, I think God wants me to do law. <laughs> and then, how do you know that? He said, today I was reading Psalm 45. And, um, you know, it talks about God, I mean, uh, give, uh, God giving us a skillful, uh, skillful tongue. And uh, as I was reading that passage, I just felt God is saying, I have given you a skillful tongue to speak, uh, you know. So, and he showed us different verses. I'm not getting into it. He showed us different verses to say how he felt God was telling law is the next thing to do. Well, we listened to him. We said, well, let's wait and see because there are two more years for him to figure that out. So I said, okay, we heard it, but let's wait. Let's hear what, what, what God has. And by the way, he just finished his 12th, um, 16th, so 17th was his last exam. And admission for the new colleges had started already because of covid you know, they didn't wait for his marks, but admission started. So he started applying. But actually along the way, though he felt God spoke to him about law, he suddenly had cold feet when he saw some of the books that people study for law. He looked at the books and said, no, I'm not going to do this. And so he got cold feet. So we just left him to himself. He said, whatever God has for you, no problem. You know, and then he went on. Well, he just applied, you know, to different colleges. But one college, he decided to apply, which has both law and, uh, um, you know, a, a, a twin degree, a bachelor's in business administration and LLB together, twin degree. So he just decided to apply to that one college and all other college he only applied for BBA, which is Bachelor's for Business Administration. And the best thing is, you know, he didn't get into the other college, but the college that he applied with the law, he got it. And uh, he actually goofed up in the interview you know, uh, it's a Catholic institution. They expect you to be formally dressed for the interview. And he was wearing a T-shirt. And they kind of asked him, this is the way you dress for an interview and all those things. And so he was 100% sure he's not getting into it. And then I believe he prayed and said, Lord, in spite of this, if you give me law, I will do it. <laughs> but... He had no faith to even go back and look at whether he got it or not. So he didn't even go and look there because he knew he's not getting it. After three days, one of his friends met him in a college and said, Hey, so you got, you got into law? You, you have uh, applied in this college and uh, I heard you got into law? He said, What? No, my mother saw your name there in the list. That's when he went and saw his email and then he realized that he got into law. Now, we were just thinking about this incident and telling ourselves, you know, God in his own way knows how to communicate through his word for you, my dear friend. You know, how old you are, how young you are, it's okay. While you are still young, seek the God of your forefathers. Seek the God who is able to guide you and lead you. And he will do it for his glory because he wants to direct his children to do his will for his purpose in this world to be achieved through your life. Why will he not reveal it? So if you are at crossroad, if you are wondering what next, you don't know what next to do, please go into God's word. 
And that's what Josiah did. He wanted to know what is, you know, what is God's plan for him. And when we look at, you know, Josiah's life, in fact, when he got into God's word and when he realized, you know, the kind of sinful things that as a, as a country that they are doing, he, he wanted to know more of God's plan. He immediately said, called the priest and others and said, go and find a prophet and find out what is God's plan. What's God's plan? And so they went and inquired a prophet and the prophet said, well, God is upset with the whole nation of Israel, but he will not allow anything to happen during your time because your heart is so good. My dear friends, he has plans, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's what the word of God tells us. But many times we don't get into God's word. We like to chew on what somebody has, has kind of chewed. Now, everyone need to spend your own time, your quiet time with the Lord. And God wants to speak to you according to your need. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. I still remember, you know, going to this home during our pastoral ministry, going to this home while they were having their family prayer. Now, family prayer is a traditional prayer that happens in many of our homes. Um, and so here, as a, as a pastor, I was visiting them. You know, during the same week, I visited their family thrice because we used to get our drinking water from that home. You know, we lived in a mission field and we didn't have drinking water coming to our home. So we had to go and pick up drinking water. And so we went to bring the drinking water from this home. And all the time we went, they were having their family prayer. So we had attended the family prayer. During the family prayer, you know, I was listening to what they were reading. So somebody was reading from the New Testament. Somebody was reading from the Old Testament. Uh, the children all sat on the floor and one was reading the Old Testament. One was reading the New Testament. One was reading the Psalm. And the father will, you know, end the prayer with a, I mean, he, he will uh, end with a prayer. So this is the format. Now, when I went and I was listening to what they were reading, the second time when I went, I listened to the New Testament portion and I told myself, looks like I'm hearing the same portion being read the second time. Because it was very easy for us to remember that portion because it says, oh foolish Galatians, it's Galatians chapter 3, you know, it starts by saying, oh foolish Galatians, oh foolish Galatians. So it kind of caught my attention. And so the second time I heard, oh foolish Galatians, I knew, you know, I've heard this passage. But anyway, I kept quiet. The third time, when I went, I heard the same passage. Oh, foolish Galatians. And I thought to myself, okay, let me interfere now. And I said, how come every time I come, you're reading the same passage? Oh, foolish Galatians. Are you trying to tell me, oh, foolish fellow, why are you coming at this time? You know, the same portion was read, was read. It's only then, as a family, they realize there's a bookmark that is there. Every time this fellow who's supposed to read the New Testament, he, he, you know, he has to read, he opens that bookmark, and he, it's Galatians 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, he reads that. And all of them have been listening to it for so many days, but none had corrected, which means what? Nobody's been listening. It was kind of being read like a ritual. We are not talking about doing some ritual magic it is not about reading the Bible. A verse a day keeps the doctor away. No, no, no. An apple away keeps the doctor away. This is not about that. This is about the life-giving word, giving direction and giving all kind of, you know, impetus for us to accomplish God's plan and purposes. Are you with me? Hello? Yes? So take God's word seriously. If you are a disciple, you know, let it increase. Let it increase your appetite. And, uh, you know, and, and let us, you know, continue to hear God through his word. So where is the place of God's word in your life? The third thing that I want to focus is about, you know, repairing the space of worship. 
the third thing that he did is repair the temple repair the temple and i and i know for for the people of israel all their spiritual life was around the temple was around the temple so the first thing that he did was to repair the temple because he found that temple is in ruins when the temple is in ruins that actually showed the spiritual state of god's people they didn't care much about the temple they didn't care much about worship so one of the things that he did was to restore the place of worship now i want to take this as my third principle from the life of josiah if you want to be a follower of jesus christ if you want to be a disciple of the lord jesus christ repair the space of worship in your life repair the temple that is in ruins identify the things that are not right and put it up in a way that god is pleased with your life you know the bible very clearly says in romans chapter 12 verse 1 what is the spiritual act of worship the bible says offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god this is your spiritual act of worship so worship is not just about some instruments worship is not just about some songs we sing worship primarily is an act of surrender to the lord the mc here was saying when he was uh, collecting the offering you know how offering is is also worship it's not just giving some money okay they need some money here some charity work no 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 you know that's an offering to god it's worship is an offering basically in worship we are offering ourselves it's not about what you sing you know somebody told me christians don't tell lies they only sing lies is it true we sing oh lord you are my everything you are my all but really in reality it's very far from that isn't it you know so it's not about what we say it's about who we are so repairing the temple is repairing yourself putting things in order in your life that your life will be a lifestyle of worship to god so it's not just morning 9:30 to 11 that is worship time it is 24 bar 7 in fact that's what david did when david you know put the place of worship he put the ark of the lord and he appointed 24 bar 7 you know people to just worship god worship god all the time because worship is just a, an attitude to show lord i surrender lord i am in need of you lord i cannot do anything without you i am dependent on you that's what worship is all about so it's not a a kind of a time limit space in your life but it is the whole person and that is why when jesus was talking to that lady at the well the samaritan woman in john chapter 4 you know that story you know she immediately said our people say that this is this mountain is the right place to worship but your people say that jerusalem is the right place to worship so she was actually turning the topic and saying now which is the right place to worship now what did jesus say jesus said i mean jesus as a jew should have said jerusalem is the right place not samaria you know come to jerusalem that's the right place to worship but jesus didn't say that what did jesus say a time is coming and has come when true worshipers will worship my father in spirit and in truth and my father is is looking after true worshipers he's seeking after true worshipers my dear friends today what god is looking at is not the kind of noise or music that you're doing unto the lord but your heart 
that is right with God or not, when my heart is filled with worship and then my words flow out of that heart that is fully committed to him, then that worship is acceptable to the Lord. Now I do not know if worship is now reduced to just songs and music. No, 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 no. That's not the worship that God wants. Worship was going on. But people were ignoring the ruin of that temple. Now when, we, when God looks at our life, Jesus came and you know, said, it's no more the, the place of worship. It is the person of worship. You know, if you are committed, and if you are always dialoguing with God, praying without, you know, without ceasing, ask, keep talking to him all the time. And that is worship. And that's what a disciple should be doing, my dear friends. Now my question is, how is your worship, your private worship, your time with God, your lonely time with God, how is it? How many hours do you spend? How many minutes do you spend? What about your family worship? Do you as a family come together and worship God? Now I remember talking in a, in, a, in a teenage camp many years back and talked about the importance of family worship. And to my surprise, during the sharing time, at the end of the three days, many young people said, Uncle, in my home there is no family worship and I want to start a family worship. And I pray that this morning, that some of you will be instrument in being Josiah's in your home where you will go and restore the family worship if it is not there. Start praying with your brother, sister, daddy, mommy. And I tell you, your home will become a heavenly place. You know, one of the worst verses that is misquoted many times, especially when we don't have enough people during our church worship, the pastor usually says, don't worry, at least we have four or five people. The Bible says two or three are there in my name. He's there in the midst, isn't it? Have you heard that verse being quoted? When, especially when we don't have enough people, we quote that. But this is not a verse to be quoted when there is no, no, nobody there. But this is a verse for us to actually you know, quote every day. As a family, when we come into God's presence and two or three are gathered in his name, Lord, you, are, you said you will be there. Come and be present here, Lord. So your home will become a sacred place because the presence of God will fill that place. So family worship, your public worship, praise God for this wonderful time of worship we had. But don't just limit it to this. Take it home. Take it home. Make it in your, in your private life. Make your lifestyle a lifestyle of worship. Make your life a lifestyle of worship. And third, fourth principle. You know, I also see that he was removing everything that was detestable before God. Detestable in the public place. You know, I have those verses there. You know, detestable in worship place. By the way, there were enough things that was detestable in the temple of God. You know, he had to remove Asherah pole, the, you know, the, the, the Baal prophets and several things from the temple. They had male prostitutes outside. You know, all kind of things happening in the worship place. So he had to remove all those detestable things from the worship place. And he had to remove everything that was carried out from the time of Solomon. Detestable thing that was, that had started. You know, I was just thinking to myself. He has to be a very bold guy because he is going and undoing things that was started by his great-grandfather, Solomon. I'm sure people in the temple would have said, what are you doing? This is being followed for the last 200 years. It started with your grandfather, great-grandfather, Solomon. But he had to remove some of those things that even Solomon had established because it was detestable to the Lord. You know, one of the ways that the enemy has tricked us is to make all the abnormal things look normal. 
you know he has got us used to all kind of ungodly things to look very godly because it is now sanctified and brought into church and made into you know look different so we think this is very godly no my dear friends you know anything that is detestable and how did he know that this is detestable this is not detestable because he read the word of god when the law of god was found he understood that these are detestable things and he removed those things so my dear friends the more you read god's word god will point out to those things that are detestable now today a lot of detestable things happen through our mobile isn't it a lot of detestable things happens you know through chatting chatting and cheating a lot of detestable things happens through our social media a lot of detestable things to god happens through our friendship chat and other things that we do now whatever that may be that is detestable unto god that you will be embarrassed before god please remove it out of your life discard remove everything that is causing pain to god grief to the holy spirit who is living in you if your body is the temple of the living god how can we allow things that is detestable to god he had to remove everything that was detestable and my dear friends if josiah you know the bible says there was no king like josiah who did everything right in the eyes of god and if you want your life to be like that you want your life to really be a testimony of his glory i want you to intentionally make a list of things that are not detestable that are detestable before god and remove it out of your life ask the lord to give you the grace some of you are wondering hey becoming a disciple of jesus christ looks boring you know it looks really hard let me tell you you know when you understand what god has done for you and that's the last thing that i want to talk about you know when you understand what god has done for you you realize what you are giving up is actually going to enhance your life for god's glory and for the blessing of god's people so what you're giving up is not going to destroy you what you're giving up is actually other things that are trying to destroy you in ways that you don't understand now so whatever that may be that is detestable before the lord please ask yourself what is that that i am entertaining which is not pleasing to the lord and remove it be hard to it the bible says throw away everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles you whatever that may be remove that out of your life my dear friends don't deal with it sweetly this is not you know for you doing some favor to god this is for you doing a favor to yourself by bringing blessing to your own life and the last thing that i want to leave with you is remember and rejoice in god's work remember and rejoice in god's work you know after he did all the removal of everything Josiah called everybody for a celebration of Passover. He said, "Come, let's celebrate the Passover." And the Bible says that, you know, there was no one who celebrated Passover like the way Josiah celebrated. You know, he the um, let me just read it. You know, it says the king gave this order to all the people celebrate the passover to the lord your god as it is written in the book of the covenant neither in the days of judges who led israel nor in the days of the kings of israel and the kings of judah had any such passover been observed but in the 18th year of king josiah this passover was celebrated in uh, was celebrated to the lord in jerusalem my dear friends this passover was celebrated you know passover was celebrated in jerusalem but he made it special he gave everything he had you know they they sacrificed so many cattle for that passover he wanted everybody to remember what the lord has done do you know what happened in passover 
during the Passover, when, you know, uh, when the angel of death passed over, when the people of Israel were saved, when many of the Egyptians died, the angel of death passed over. And, and that's how these, these people were saved. And God did not want them to forget what he has done. So my dear friends, even as we come together, you know, we cannot forget the Lord's work, what he has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And I think, you know, I mean, what we celebrated as, as Lord's table is actually the new covenant that he has established when he was celebrating the Passover with the disciples, that's when the new covenant was introduced by his blood and by his body that was broken for us. And as a disciple, you will remember and rejoice in the Lord's work, what he has done for you. Why is he expecting so much? Why should I do all these things? Why should I, you know, kind of restrict myself? Why can't I live like anybody else? Because God has delivered you from death to life. Not just in this world. For eternity. If you and me want to enjoy our eternity with him. My dear friends. I want you to take this discipleship seriously. God has moved you from death to life. And I was thinking the last two years. We have seen death very closely, isn't it? Many people who got COVID, did not live on. They passed away. But if you and me are alive today, it is purely the grace of God. And God is calling us to celebrate the life that He has given, not just life here, but life that is in fullness that He gives through His Son, Jesus Christ. But for that, First thing is you have to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not being Christian by name, but being Christian because you have committed your life fully into the hands of God. And you love Him fully. And you're committed to live with Him eternally. And if you are that person, my dear friends, this is a time to celebrate. A disciple's life is not a boring life. It's a celebratory life. It is not empty celebration like the world celebrates. But a celebration of what God has done. The goodness of God is celebrated. All our life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So do you want your life to be a life of celebration? Not empty celebration. But celebration that will last to eternity. If you want your life to be that. As we close, I want you to make a commitment, a renew your commitment to remove every detestable thing, to make your lifestyle a lifestyle of worship unto God and to make your life matter to eternity, that your life will be celebratory, not only in this world, but throughout eternity. Do you want to do that? And I want to give an opportunity. If you're saying yes, I want to do that. I want to make my life count for eternity. I want my life to be like that of Josiah. A life that is purposeful, meaningful. I don't want to carry on with my own life. I want to be truly a Christian. Truly a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you're saying that. I want this time to be a time where you will commit yourself once again to the Lord. Please don't go back after hearing this word. The same person you came in. But go back with a renewed spirit. Asking the Holy Spirit to take over your life. So that God's plan. God's eternal plan. Will be revealed to you. Do you want that to happen this morning? If you want. I would ask you to stand up on your feet. And I would ask you to. Give yourself fully to him. Committed to him. So that his plan. His work will start getting revealed in your life in new ways that you will be glad you made that decision today for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saying that, I would like you to stand up on your feet and establish this 
relationship with God, celebrating God's work and being a participant in what God has done. Time is open for you to stand up and give yourself fully to him so that God will start working in your life. God will start doing great things in your life. Hallelujah. We're going to pray. But if you're saying, yes, I want my life to matter. I want to truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes, be bold enough to stand up in the place where you are sitting. Stand up for the Lord. Because the Bible says, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up the cross and follow me. Hallelujah. Yes, anyone else? Thank you. Thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. Praise God. The Bible says, even if one sinner repents, the whole heaven rejoices. Are you that person? Be bold. Don't allow the powers of darkness to pull you down, to gravitate you down. But be bold to stand up for Jesus here. Then you will be bold to stand up for Jesus outside. To be a disciple is not just enjoying the presence of God and going back. But it is to make a decision to live for him till the world will rejoice in his presence. Hallelujah. Yes, anyone else? Anyone else? If you're struggling, come on. I would encourage you to just stand up for the Lord. Yes, yes. Praise God. If you love my Jesus, you want to be his follower, you want truly to be his disciple, and if you have never made a commitment to be a follower, or you have slipped away and you want to renew a commitment, it's a time to do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh Lord, I surrender. Oh Lord, I surrender, Lord. Let's keep praying in our hearts. Let's ask the Lord to take over our lives. Let's ask the Lord to cover us, uh, our lives by his presence. Let's live like Josiah for the Lord. We do not know how long this life is, but however long the Lord gives, let's live it out. While he was still young, he searched the God of his father, David. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's not waste our life. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you and worship you, Lord, for this wonderful time you have given us to come into your presence. Thank you, Lord, for these, your children, who are renewing their commitment, who want to stay on the track and not depart from the lane that you want them to run the race of Father. I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, each of us, Lord, will be a living witness in the place that you have planted us for your glory and for your purposes, Lord. We don't want to go away from your purposes, Lord. We know the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. I pray that the firm plan that you have for your children be established right now, oh Father. Lord, people who are confused, Lord, some of them who don't know what to do, Lord, next. I pray that you'll strengthen them. You will enable them to walk with you, see the glory of God revealed in their life, oh Father. So that, Lord, your name is glorified. Your kingdom will come in full measure through their lives. And that your name and your name alone, oh Father, will be glorified through their life.
to the end we surrender ourselves we surrender ourselves lord use us use us for your kingdom lord fill us with your holy spirit in a new way in a new measure that we will overflow of you in our lives so far thank you for this time we give you all the glory in jesus most precious name we pray amen